0: Welcome to Graceway Baptist Church. This is, of course, our Sunday school hour. And we are glad that you are watching it. And for all of you who are teaching, thank you so much for the job that you do and for the love that you have for the Lord, for the Word of God, and also for your class members. And thank you for uh, teaching them. Thank you for taking care of them. And I know it's important for you to be well prepared. And so we do this in order to help you so that you don't have to guess about what I'm thinking and some of my points or thoughts in the lesson, because it is tough to try to figure out what somebody else is going for. And so hopefully this helps you explain it. And for those of you who are watching because you want to keep up with your Sunday school class and you're not able to attend, that's awesome. And uh, thank you so much for doing that. I pray for you and pray that the Lord blesses you and that this feeds your soul and uh, helps you to feel a part of the church. And uh, we had a wonderful service this past Sunday, Easter Sunday. And um, appreciate all of your prayers and ask you to continue to pray. We had visitors here and we had lost people that were here. And uh, pray for them that um, the word will continue to bear fruit in their lives. Sowing, watering, reaping those type of things that Paul said and pray that the Lord would give the increase is what we want to see. Well, we're looking at April 30th, 2023. Okay. Now we've entitled it, do you have wisdom? Not being sarcastic there, but because the text actually mentions Solomon having wisdom and what he did with it, we don't want to just, uh, uh, I, I guess to use Jesus words, hide our light under a bushel. What good What good would that do? You want the light to be seen. You want it to shine out. You want it to do something. You want it to make a difference. And that's kind of what this lesson is all about. And sometimes the people that seem to be the wisest, the most knowledgeable, and the smartest, they keep their mouth shut when they shouldn't. And uh, we've all had the times when maybe we did something and... uh, we thought it was going to work. It didn't work. And then we have that person, the the wise guy, you know, who says, well, I knew it wasn't going to work. Well, why didn't you say anything? Why didn't you warn me? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you help me to avoid the problem? And uh, so often we just kind of keep things to ourselves. And I don't know if that's because we're so kind of secretly hoping that somebody else will fail so that we can be smug and superior. Or maybe it's because we're afraid that, uh, what we say won't be taken seriously, that that could be. And so uh, we just kind of think it's better just to say nothing and then to talk to the person whenever they really feel like they might need our wisdom. And then sometimes it might be because we think we're wise and we're not really wise. I'm sure that happens uh, more often than we would like to admit because we like to think we know more than we do. We like to think we're smarter than we really are, and uh, let's let's take a look at this. So, what are you going to do if you really let's let's make the assumption that you are a mature believer, and you really do have wisdom? The Bible says, "If any man lacks wisdom, let him ask God." And so, uh, we're going to assume you've done that, and that God, over the years, has made you more wise. What are you going to do with it? Well, our text is. Ecclesiastes twelve nine through 14 Here's what Solomon says, And moreover, because the preacher, that's the name that he calls himself, and uh, keep in mind preacher is different than pastor. He's not at a church. He's not behind a pulpit. A preacher is more of a proclaimer, somebody who gives out uh, messages. Like a town crier, hear ye, hear ye this message from the king. The town crier would take the message from the king into the village. And that's how Solomon kind of sees himself. I'm, I'm a spokesman. Let's, let's, let's say that. I'm a spokesperson for the Lord. And it says because the preacher, the spokesman, was wise, what did he do? The next phrase tells us he still taught the people knowledge. He didn't quit, didn't give up. Yes, he pondered and sought out and set in order many proverbs. Have you ever read the book of Proverbs? Have you ever read uh, well, Ecclesiastes, for example. That's Solomon thinking and pondering and organizing and writing down the things that he said that he learned and uh, the things that the Lord revealed to him through his wisdom. I'm glad he did that. It, it, what a blessing it's been to countless generations, the wisdom of Solomon. Verse 10, the preacher sought to find acceptable words and what was written was upright words of truth. I don't need anybody's ignorance. I don't need anybody's speculation. Uh, It's good to know the truth, isn't it? Verse 11, the words of the wise are like goads And the words of the scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. Verse 12. And further, my son, be admonished by these of making many books. There is no end. There's always something more that could be said. There's always another volume that could be written. Right? And much study... Is wearisome to the flesh. And every student knows that. Verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Here's wisdom in a nutshell Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. Fear God, uh, let me back up here, uh, not fear God. Uh, verse 14, for God, I got ahead of myself, for God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Okay, So um, when we look at a man who was truly wise, he didn't just think he was wise. He didn't just pretend to be wise. He really was wise. You know, um, there are times when You see somebody that they write something and then they have a quote from a Puritan or quote from Spurgeon. You know, most of the time, all they did was read a book that contained the quote and they copied and pasted the quote. They didn't actually read Spurgeon. They didn't actually read the Puritan. They just took that salient quote and they copied and pasted it where it kind of makes them look a little wiser and a little smarter than they really are. And we all done those kind of things. And um, sometimes people quote the Bible the same way. Well, I, I can't quote it exactly, but doesn't it say somewhere in the Bible that uh, one man told me one time, every tub must stand on its own bottom? <laughs> Sounds good, but it's not in the Bible. And um, I was watching a uh, an Easter program the other day, and they had Jesus saying something that he actually... No, pardon me, Peter saying something that Jesus actually said. And it's like somebody should have caught that. Somebody should have known. And um, I think sometimes we try to appear to be better than we really are, smarter than we really are, wiser than we really are. And that's why we wait, as I said earlier, till after the fact to say, well, I knew that was going to happen. Um, Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. Maybe you just waited until it was a sure thing, and it was a fact, and then you could say something, but you didn't say anything before because you really didn't know, and you really weren't sure. We've all done those kind of things, haven't we? We're human. So let's uh, just consider this. It's no secret that God wants His people to be wise. That's why He included wisdom literature in the Bible. Job, Proverbs, Song of Solomon, and Ecclesiastes are considered to be the wisdom literature in the Bible. And in Genesis chapter 3, the serpent questioned and then disputed God's word. Remember he said at first, did God say you can't eat from any tree of the garden? And Eve said, no, we can eat of any tree. Well, except this one, we can't eat it or touch it lest we die. Two things wrong with what she said. God never said don't touch the tree. She was adding to the word of God as though it needed help. And then she said, don't uh, touch it or eat it lest we die. Like there's a possibility of death. God never said there's a possibility of death. He said in the day you eat thereof, you will surely die. See how we we play fast and loose with the word of God, and we kind of almost nearly get it, but not quite hardly. And, uh, you know, we think it's good enough if we hit the target, even if we don't get the bullseye. And um, so Satan kind of set it up. You know, are you sure God said this? And then she kind of uh, bit, and she got deceived. She was tricked. And uh, the serpent serpent did then disputed the word of God, And said, you will not surely die. For in the day you eat, God knows that your eyes will be open, knowing good and evil, and uh, you will be as gods. Remember that? And um, it says, and Eve saw the forbidden fruit as, quote, desirable to make one wise, unquote. And this is what brought about the fall of humanity. This was her chance. This was her opportunity. She could really be smart. She could be wise. And don't we all want that? That's a a kind of a human instinct. We want to be smart. We want to be in the know. And we also want to be wise. Now, you can know a lot of things and not be wise. You can know a lot of facts and uh, be a smart person, a straight-A student, and not be wise. Wisdom is knowing how to apply what you know, knowing when it's appropriate, when it's right, how to do it. I took a lawnmower apart when I was a kid, and I did a really good job taking it apart. I just had trouble putting it back together. And uh, then when I got it all back together, everything fit together, and it looked like it ought to work. I I did have some leftover parts, though. And uh, the thing just wouldn't run. I I might have been 10 years old when I did that. And uh, I would like to think I would do a little better job now. And perhaps I would. But uh, I, I was smart enough to kind of figure out how to take it apart. But I wasn't, let's say this, wise enough to put it back together properly. I didn't understand what all of the parts were. I didn't understand how they worked. I didn't understand what their purpose was. Or I might have been able to uh, work on it a little bit better. And so uh, I I was no different than Eve. I wanted to appear to be smart. I wanted to appear to be wise. I wanted people to think that I was and still do. And, And I think we all want that. And Solomon in his later life tells us how wisdom should be used and also something else that's very important, that it should be passed on. We don't want to just have it die and rot in the grave with us. Um, We want it to be passed on. Well, you've got to do that while you're alive. So let's talk about this. Number one, what does a wise person do if they are truly wise? Well, number one, they share it. And moreover, because the preacher was wise, he still taught the people knowledge. Yes, he pondered and sought out. And set in order many proverbs. And so uh, he realized, and wisdom kind of teaches you this when you really get wise, you realize it's not just about you. It's not how you look, it's not what other people think about you because they're not going to care very much longer. It's the good that you can do with it. And if God has made you wise, then you need to pass it on. Maybe you're a really wise person in parenting. Uh, we probably need to hear from you. Maybe you're wise in relationships. We need to hear from you. And your family needs to hear from you. Your friends need to hear from you. That wisdom needs to be passed on. Maybe you're financially wise. We need to hear from you. All of these kind of things are important. Maybe you're wise in the scripture and uh, you need to be teaching. You need to be sharing all of that. And so... uh, It's not just simply about us and our lives. We've got to invest in the next generation. And we don't want to do it as an arrogant know-it-all, but we want to do it as a humble servant. Now, uh, that is the difference, makes all the difference in the world when you're talking to a younger person. If you're coming across to them like, let me, smart guy, tell you, the dumb guy, what you're doing wrong, and how everything in your life is just all messed up, and I can fix it for you. Well, no wonder they don't listen. None of us listen very well to somebody like that. In fact, in order to listen to somebody like that, we need to have a degree of wisdom, don't we? Now, I will say you can learn a lot from a jerk. You can learn a lot from people that are uh, arrogant, and uh, you've got to kind of filter it out. You've got to It's like eating fish. You eat the meat and you uh, avoid the bones. And everybody, to some degree, has some bones in their wisdom. And uh, so if you just reject them completely because you don't like them, well then, uh, shame on you. That's not really good. But at the same time, if you do have something to share with someone else and you don't at least make the attempt to be personable, to be caring, to be loving and to, uh, let's go back to what we have in the lesson, to actually be a humble servant to them. I'm not here to instruct you. I'm not here to correct you. I'm here to serve you with all of that. That comes across. Make it easy for them to listen and to desire to listen to you. That's uh, a difficult thing, by the way. Number two, if you are a wise person, then the second thing that happens is keep learning. There's nothing worse than a person who just thinks that they know so much they don't really need to know anymore. They're hard to talk to. They're hard to have a conversation with. They're hard to uh, if if oh heaven help you if they're in the audience when you're trying to teach or speak or something like that because you just can't teach them anything. And uh, those kind of people are extremely difficult. And so uh, one of the things you do to kind of use your wisdom. And if you really are wise, is just keep learning because nobody understands it all. Nobody gets it all. Nobody knows it all. So keep on learning. And uh, verse 10, it says, the preacher sought to find acceptable words. Uh, He didn't just say, oh, the way I did it was good enough. He was always looking for a better way He was always looking for something that would communicate better. He was looking for something that would get the point across in a a better way. Acceptable words. You know, um, I think sometimes as Christians we say, well, my goal is not to please people. Yeah, but it's not to antagonize them or to be off-putting either. And somehow we've got to learn that balance. And just because I'm standing for truth... Doesn't mean that I have to be mean or rude or overly blunt. I ought to be clear, but you know, there's a a, a way to do everything. Um, You've probably heard the saying, uh, you catch more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And our words need to be more like honey. The Apostle Paul said they need to be seasoned with grace. How grace-filled are your words. You may be right, but being right's not the big, uh, the main thing and not the main goal. It's to communicate truth and to help someone else. So find acceptable words. Don't be unnecessarily offensive or anything like that. And then he says, And what was written was upright, words of truth. God had uh, given Solomon this gift of wisdom, All the way back in 2 Samuel chapter 3. And notice that he did not use that as an excuse to stop learning. My uh, grandpa, he lived to be uh, 88. And uh, one of the things I admired about him is he never stopped learning. I saw him even as an old man. He would just go over to the shelf and get an encyclopedia. If you're under 30, you might need to look that up. But uh, He would just get an encyclopedia and sit in his chair and then just start thumbing through it. And when he found something that interested him or something he didn't know, he would sit there and read the article. And even at that uh, age, not long before he died, you could still talk to him about current events. You could talk to him about things that were way outside of his field, because uh, he loved to learn. And he always had uh, different magazines where he could keep up with what was going on in the world and the nation, uh, politically, that type of thing. And he didn't always read things that he agreed with. He would also read some things that he didn't really uh, think were very smart or very wise. And uh, he would read them because it kept his mind sharp And it uh, caused him to be able to explain his position and his thoughts. I always admired him for that and hope that I can be somewhat like that. And uh, here's the deal. We have an infinite God to get to know. And it's going to take you an infinite time in heaven to get to know him, by the way. And it takes diligence over a lifetime here on earth to really get to know God. Sometimes we may know about God, but that's a little bit different than really getting to know God. It's the same thing that you can know uh, if you're a married man. You may know about your wife and you may have known about your wife before you ever dated her, before you ever got married, but knowing about her and knowing where her picture is in your school's yearbook and uh, what sport she likes And, uh, you know, those kind of things is a whole lot different than actually getting to know her in a close and intimate, loving way. Well, that's the same thing that's true about God. We don't just want to memorize facts about God. What we want to do is to really get to know him and to know him the way that we should. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, um, Do your best. To present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, Paul says, uh, You may have learned it in the King James Version, like I did study to show yourself approved. And I used to think that that meant you need to be reading all the time, reading the Bible and reading about the Bible, and that's where it really is. Um, I'm not against that, of course. We ought to be studying, but the word there, study, is better translated, be diligent to show yourself approved unto God. In other words, we ought to be living our lives, doing everything we can, being diligent to have the approval of God on our lives, doing what we know He wants us to do, doing what He likes. After all, again, going back to the illustration before, how did you get your wife, guys, to go out with you? And maybe the first time, it was just kind of a shot in the dark. You just were hoping and you said, you know, would you like to go to a movie or something like that or get something to eat? And uh, so it was kind of awkward and then she did. But during that time, when you would talk with her and uh, then you would find out more about her and maybe you found out on that first date that she really liked, uh, uh, you know, some certain type of, candy or something like that. So the next time you went out, you made sure you had that candy and you gave it to her. And she felt loved because you knew her and you knew something about her. And as time went on and progressed, you began to know the things she likes, what she didn't like. You knew when it was the right time to maybe make a joke or to tease. But you also started learning those times when probably better not to do that right now. You got to know her and you were diligent to get to know her. That's why she kept going out with you. And um, that's one of those things we need to keep up after we get married, right? And so in the same way, we are to get to know our God. He created us. He's loved us with an everlasting love. He sent his son to die on the cross and to pay for our sins so that we could be with him and be right with him and have a home with him in heaven. Don't you think we ought to Quit taking that for granted and get to know as much as we possibly can about Him because we don't want to be like the workman that takes the money and the materials and the plans and then does a shoddy job with it so that when the uh, uh, employer comes to say, Let me look at your work, you have to be embarrassed by it. Well, I cut a corner there and I can get that fixed. You don't want to do that if you're really a good craftsman. And that's the way we are to be with the Lord. We don't want to have a life that we're ashamed of. We don't want to have knowledge or lack of knowledge that we're ashamed of. And so uh, Paul says to Timothy, be diligent to show yourself approved unto God like a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. And then he tells us what he's talking about. Rightly handling or dividing the word of truth. Now, Paul was a tent maker, and in order to make the tents the way they needed to be, he had to take those animal skins and those materials he would use, and he had to cut it straight according to the pattern. Cut it straight according to the pattern. That is what the Greek word means here when it says rightly handling or rightly dividing the word of truth. In in other words, it says cut it straight. And when we say cut it straight, talking about the Bible, we're meaning get it right. Find out what it means. Find out what the author intended. Find out what the context is. Find out all of those kind of things so that you can handle it properly. Now, number three, if you were wise then trust your wisdom. If it's true wisdom that comes from God, trust it. It'll serve you well. Don't second guess it all the time. And don't be trying to um, water it down or dilute it or anything like that with the wisdom of the world. Verse 11 says, The words of the wise are like goads. And uh, whenever a farmer would be plowing back in those days, he would have these uh, goads that would help keep the ox that was pulling it uh, going in a straight line. They wouldn't have a tendency to veer or they would get poked, so they would stay more straight. And the words of the scholars are like well-driven nails given by one shepherd. Okay, and further, my son, be admonished. That means be warned by these. And so understand that God-given wisdom will keep you straight, And it also will correct you when you stray. That's what the nails did. That's what the goads did. Kept you straight and corrected you whenever you messed up. And these things admonish us. And remember, admonish in the language of the New Testament doesn't mean encourage and make you feel good and fluff you up. It is a word of warning, a word of caution. Uh, If you get a car and you open up the owner's manual... Probably on the first few pages, you're going to see some words of warning, caution. Don't run the car until you do this or until you've read this or until you understand this. It's a word of warning. And uh, that's what we all need is we need to be warned. And that's how we get wisdom. Don't step out into the street, your mom told you when you were a little kid. Those cars will hurt you. They might even kill you. Um, don't eat that, don't eat everything you find on the ground. Those are words of warning, but they admonish us and they keep us alive. They're good for us. And understand that wisdom from God's word can be trusted. And they're trusted in this way. We've already talked a little bit about this. They are like goads because they help guide you along the proper path. Goad is a long pointed stick used for Trodding and guiding oxen or sheep, as the case may be, uh, oxen while plowing. Sheep, of course, don't plow. And moreover, the words of the wise provide moral and intellectual stability like nails firmly fixed. Ultimately, such wisdom is given by one shepherd, that would be God, and that's uh, from the ESV Study Bible. Uh, footnotes. And so hopefully that helps you understand it. We've got to have something to keep us on the path. And what path do we go on with well, the path that the shepherd has chosen? We have one God and there are many of us in the body of Christ, but one God and one revelation that he has given us. And that's the word of God. And it is able to correct us when we stray. And it's able to keep us on the right path as well because the will is just one will and it's the will of the one shepherd that we uh, serve i'm glad we're not all out on a free for all all trying to do our best and hoping that it all works out there's a plan it all fits together the way god wants it to and then number four if you've got wisdom don't be a quitter don't give up solomon says of making many books there is no end So why do it? Well, Solomon knew it needed to be done. He couldn't write every book, but he could write some books. And he couldn't give all of the wisdom that exists in the mind of God, but he could give us what had been revealed to him. And that's the way we're supposed to be. We're not supposed to just quit, give up, and uh, be half-hearted about all of it. And he said, "...and much study is wearisome to the flesh." I bet he was tired a lot when he was doing this. Now Solomon wasted a good portion of his life, sadly, because he didn't apply the wisdom that God had given him. But I'm glad that he came around in the later years of his life. The uh, goads um, corrected him of the word of God. They corrected him and got him back and got him straight. And then those nails that were used in in his life and in his wisdom, they were solidly fixed and firmly fixed in place so that when he returned back to where he should be, everything was still all together. And uh, that's what we need to remember. It's never too late to do the right thing. Now Solomon was researching, organizing, and writing down all of the wise things that he found. And uh, he did a lot of work on there, and it wore him out, but he worked hard at learning, as it says in verse 12. You know, we tend to think that if somebody's smart and if they've got a lot of knowledge about something, well, it's probably just easy for them. Well, granted, it might be a little easier for them because they may have an aptitude toward it. They may have some talent toward that, but it doesn't mean it was easy They had to learn they had to grow they had to put everything together they have to remember they have to make mistakes and correct those mistakes i'm always in awe when i watch somebody that pops the hood of a car and they start working on it and they know exactly what to do and they can remember what to do and what not to do and how it's supposed to be done and sometimes there are certain tools that you use that I may not know exist, but they do because they've got wisdom. Now, they weren't born with that. They couldn't do that when they were two. They couldn't do that when they were five. But they learned how to do it over time, and they did it by repetition, and they did it by reading about it. They did it by showing interest. I think that's one of the ways we get to know the Word of God. There was a prime minister of England that was uh, having to deal with the Jews in Palestine, England owned those at that time. It was a British mandate of Palestine. And uh, this guy had heard some things about them being the chosen people of God. And so he called a pastor, a local pastor in, in London, and said, now tell me, uh, help me understand this thing about God's plan for the Jews. And he was only going to give him about 30 minutes. But as the pastor began to explain it, It kept going on and on and on. The covenants, the promises, all of those kind of things, the history. And the prime minister canceled the rest of his appointments and spent the entire day with the preacher. And when he got through, he said to the pastor, man, I would give the world to know the Bible like you do. And the pastor said, that's exactly what it'll cost you. And the reason we don't know the Bible like we should is because we've been doing something else. We had something better to do. Or we assume we know enough in all of it. Well, not Solomon. Solomon was ready to wear himself out to really be wise and to help others gain wisdom and all of that and then write it down so he could leave it behind. Now, it's tempting to quit. And I know that Solomon must have been tempted to quit at one time or another. But just consider Hebrews twelve three. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. And that's what we do so many times. It's so easy. And it's not so much what do you do and how tough are you, but what does it take to get you distracted? What does it take to get you to quit? And some people, are just they just quit too easily on work at the church or on study or getting to know the Lord. They just give up and they quit the first time they have hardship. And the Bible says here that the goal is that we would not grow weary or faint-hearted, okay? And uh, we need to be careful and not miss the point. And it's uh, very easy for us to read something, even in the Bible, and not really get what is being said. And so what's the point here? It's found in verse 13, it's not really so much about just being wise and better than everybody else and winning all of the Bible drill competitions and Bible trivia games and that kind of thing. It's found in verse 13. Now don't miss this. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is the bottom line, Solomon says. Fear God and keep his commandments for this is man's all. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. You want to be able to stand up on the judgment day and have a life that counts and receive gold, silver, and precious stones instead of wood, hay, and stubble that burns up? Then get to know God and don't quit. Don't be a quitter. Don't give up on all of that. Be diligent. So um, learn... Teach, learn, write things down. And uh, verse 13, fear God and keep his commandments and you'll do well and you'll be a good example for other people and you also will stand up well whenever you face God in the judgment. Now that judgment you're going to face as a believer is not for condemnation, not to see whether you're going to go to heaven or not. That's already settled Christ was judged for you, and that judgment gives you righteousness. It's a judgment where God says, now what have you, as a steward of your life, what have you done with what I've given you? The time I've given you, the talent I've given you, the treasure I've given you, to name three. And then all that will be evaluated, and I want you to do well. And God has given you the tools to do well, so be wise with your life and with the things God has given you. And um, then when the judgment comes, you'll be amazed at what God has done in you and what God has done through you as well as what he has done for you. Okay, we'll stop there. And uh, thank you again for your time. And I pray the Lord will bless you. And uh, we'll see you at the next lesson.